0: Mental hygiene is just as important as washing your hands. We need to disinfect our thoughts. It takes discipline, it takes work, it takes consistent effort over time by putting in the right habits.
1: From To Be Magnetic, this is the Expanded Podcast with your host, Lacey Phillips. destination for neural manifestation we dispel the woo-woo in order to help you create real tangible results based on neuroplasticity psychology epigenetics and energetics our goal is to normalize the practice of manifestation and empower you to get into the driver's seat of your life in order to manifest the experiences relationships and things that most align with your authenticity Part of our manifestation process entails expanding past your limiting subconscious beliefs. Therefore, by tuning into this podcast with interviews from experts, thought leaders, spiritual teachers, scientists, and those with neural manifestation success stories, you're starting the process of expanding your subconscious in order to see to believe that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, the process begins.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Expanded. Jessica here. So as you guys probably know from the Explained episodes, I am obsessed with learning about sort of the science behind psychology and spirituality. And it was almost a year ago, I think, my mom had introduced me to this incredible brain doctor, Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen is a leading psychiatrist and brain health expert. He's authored and co-authored over 40 books and 85 scientific articles, including a New York Times mega bestseller, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, and Your Brain is Always Listening. His clinic is all over the U.S. and they have run over 200,000 brain spec scans, which measures the blood flow and activity in the brain to more accurately diagnose and treat needs. So what I really loved about Eamon and his clinics and the work that he's doing he started to share some of his consultations on his IGTV, and it really helped to paint the picture behind what it looks like to get a brain scan, what's happening and the things and warning signs to look out for. And while not everyone maybe is able to get a brain scan or has access to something like that, you can 100% use some of the remedies to help get your brain in its best health. Dr. Amen has helped countless celebrities including Justin Bieber, Miley Cyrus, Raven-Symoné, Jay Shetty, Annalyn McCord, Brittany Furlan, the list goes on and on and on. And he has a model of brain health that we're gonna get into in episode of how to best support your brain through his Bright Minds model. And I feel like the brain is one of those things that are the overlooked organ in the body. We talk about, you know, liver health and heart health and gut health, but the brain is really one of those central systems and organs like any other thing in the body. And based off of past traumas and how we deal with things emotionally, healing past traumas through reprogramming, like with our work, and then also how you eat, how you interact with the world around you, the toxins you expose yourself to. It can put your brain at different levels of health. And so the goal really is to have the healthiest brain possible to optimize everything that's going on in your life. I also wanted to share with you, which I think is really fun, and you guys can pull this up. We'll have the links in the show note. But he has two really fun quizzes. One is to evaluate your brain type, which he has five different brain types. Lacey and Dr. Amy get into it in the episode. And then he also has another one called, what are your dragons? And the dragons are sort of the emotional pieces from your past. So I took what, both of these quizzes, and I'm going to share with you guys my results just so you can kind of get a taste of what you can learn from him and his work and just to try to see where you might fall on the scale as well. So the Dragon Quiz is actually the book that my mom got me that introduced me, Your Brain is Always Listening, which depicts all of the dragons. And they're essentially, you know, kind of like the idea of limiting beliefs and where they come from and your blocks. So what I did when I first took this quiz is took a lot of the limiting beliefs and things that I found from them and applied them to doing our reprogramming work. So I went into the daily practice and picked out a DI to go along with some of the dragons. So the dragons I got was inferior or flawed dragon. You feel less than in ability, looks, money, achievement, relationships. So if you are a perfectionist or a people pleaser, you will likely have this dragon at some point. Common themes may have been that you felt inadequate as a child. You felt you weren't living up to your parents' expectations. You were bullied, cut down, criticized by peer, family or authority figures. You frequently compared yourself to others in a negative way. Things like being a perfectionist, imposter syndrome, body dysmorphia, check, 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 are all things that could be a reaction of this happening. And so it's so interesting that this was pulled because now I can go back into the DIs and be like, great. I already know some of these themes, but having it so clearly laid out, now I can go back in and say, all right. How can I make myself feel adequate? How can I make myself feel like I lived up to expectations? How can I support myself in the memories where I was bullied, cut down, or criticized? How can I remove comparison and not compare myself to others in a negative way and start pulling apart some of those limiting beliefs. And the other dragon I got was the ancestral dragon. These are parents or grandparents' issues that were passed down through your genes, behaviors, or cultural expectations. Their anxiety, fears, prejudice, preconceived notions, political affiliations more or less have become yours. So essentially, some of these origins could be being a child or grandchild of a trauma survivor, the Holocaust, 9-11, genocide, slavery abandonment war. A loved one died by suicide close to them. They lived in a war zone, experienced early death of a parent sibling or parent had PTSD. So what this means is a grandparent experienced significant trauma. And because trauma lives within the body, like right now, I'm carrying my DNA of my grandchild in my ovaries, which means that Our DNA was carried in our grandmother's ovaries when they were experiencing those things. So it makes sense that our genes are also carrying a lot of that emotional weight. And some of those things may be in our systems as well. So this could be reluctance to compliance, rebellion, feeling guilty, feeling disappointment, anxiety for no reasons, or unexplainable fears. And so this is kind of a cool one where... I can connect with my parents more to see, okay, what's a little bit more about my grandparents? You know, are there more things I should know, any specific trigger points, and kind of go back. But even if you don't have access to what your grandparents' trauma level was like, if you're feeling fear, anxiety, guilt for no reason or no specific cause, you can reprogram through even, like, the emotional clearing DI, or even in meditation and journal prompts to release it and recognize that that's not yours to hold on to. So there are tons of other dragons in there. Again, the quiz is in the link. So take the quiz, check out what your dragons are, or you could learn in depth more about the dragons in his book. Your brain is always listening. And then the other fun part that I did was the brain type. So there are 16 different types of brain types. It's pretty much a five-minute quiz that depicts your emotional mood, how you eat, what you sleep like, all of those fun things. And what's so fascinating about this is I did this quiz a few months back when I was in kind of a... I wouldn't call it a rut, but it wasn't a high. It wasn't like a peak, you know, joy state. I was more kind of like, okay, yeah, I have some blocks I'm working through in dealing with this. I'm a little stressed out with maybe overworking too much or committing myself to too many things. And when I took the quiz, I got brain type 5, And brain type 5 shows heightened activity in the basal ganglia, insular cortex, and amygdala, all fancy terms if you're unfamiliar, for parts of the brain that are motivated towards a goal. So that can cause intense pleasure, but it can also, because it's so active, cause people to struggle with feeling anxious, more cautious, reserved, but they feel like they need to be prepared. It's almost like their perfectionist brain. It's also lower in activity in the neurotransmitter GABA, which helps to calm the brain. So essentially my brain was firing really high in anxiety centers of the brain and kind of low in the calming center of the brain. Based off of this quiz, I didn't get a screening done. And that's really interesting because that runs alongside with the people pleasing and perfectionism and all of that fun stuff. But then I've been really doubling down on my DIs and really trying to take my self-care as you guys have heard in previous episodes. And I took the brain quiz right before recording this, and I got brain type 1, which is the balanced brain, the healthy brain. So that means that I shifted my brain. Now, I'm going to continue to take the quiz maybe once a month just to check in and see where I'm at and what's going on. But the brain type 1 says that I'm flexible, focused, good impulse control, balanced emotions, resilient, experience normal ups and downs. I just think it's so cool to see progress in the brain just by taking the quiz and understanding more in there. So I've definitely been applying Dr. Eamon's Bright Minds Principle and continuing to reprogram things and really support myself, especially in calming myself and helping my brain get into balance. So I hope you guys found that interesting, curious to see what your brain type and dragon type are. We will link them in the show notes, like I said. And I know you guys are going to love this episode. He is so incredible. Without further ado, here is Lacey and Dr. Eamon.
1: And now a word from our partners.
2: Guys, I think I have found my favorite new product from Blue Blocks. So you know Blue Box is the blue light blocking. Glasses company blue light disrupts our hormones and our serotonin levels and messes up our circadian rhythm and our sleep. And while I'm stacked in so many of their products, this one is seriously fixing a problem that I didn't even realize could be fixed. So they just came out with a LumiClip Sleep Plus device. Essentially, it's a reading light that's rechargeable in 100% red light, eliminating any blue or green light. It's with the sleep jack. Technology, which means that it is going to help calm your nervous system and help produce melatonin, prepare your body for sleep. It is perfect as a little clip on reading lamp before bed. It has a flexible, adjustable neck, and then you can kind of just clip it onto your book and screen it over and read your book and turn it on that way. It has an eight hour battery life, so you can recharge it and then clip it. Completely portable. The other fun thing you can do with it as well is if you don't have Lumi red lights in your bathroom, when you get up to brush your teeth or wash your face at night, or even if you get up in the middle of the night to use the restroom, Having this clip in there is going to be key because it will not wake you up. It will keep you calm. You don't have to pee while keeping your eyes closed to keep your, your calm sleep cycle if you're anything like me because that's what I do. You can just bring this red light with you and it'll keep everything in balance without needing to turn on your light or pee in complete darkness. So at night, what tends to happen is Daniel and I have our loomy red light plugged in that's on his side of the bed. But if he decides to go to sleep first, then I have to continue reading my book and then at some point get up, walk around the bed and turn the light off, which is kind of a pain in the behind. So this light is solving all of my late night reading problems by being able to clip onto my book and I can control the light and read my book easily and fall asleep when I need to. It has been so useful and I've been using it every night. The other really cool thing that this clip does is you can clip it on the side of your laptop or your computer and angle it towards the screen. And so we know our computers are emitting blue light that isn't good for us and keeping us awake and not good for our hormones all day long. But if you put the red light on it, it starts to cut some of that blue light out. So... During the afternoon, as the sun starts going down, maybe you can't get off your computer. And yes, you have your red light glasses on, but now it's protecting the rest of your face, neck, skin, everything else exposed to the blue light and will get you feeling so much better and more prepared for sleep. It is super affordable, and I am so excited. I cannot stop using it every single night. They have three different brightnesses on it, 25%, 50%, and 100%. So if you are interested in testing out the LumiClip Sleep Plus or any other blue blocks and blue light blocking products, you can use code MAGNETIC, M-A-G-N-E-T-I-C, to get 15% off. So as you guys know, we are huge fans of Beekeepers Natural over at 2B Magnetic. And we are so excited to continuing partnering with beekeepers as podcast sponsors. One product I know I've mentioned before, but I think it's so perfect, especially giving this episode that's all about brain health is our Be Smart Brain Fuel. So this is the supplement I probably have recommended the most to people because whenever anyone is having brain fog, they just got over being sick or they didn't get a lot of sleep the night before, maybe they were just traveling and they had some jet lag and brain fog, this is the best thing I have found to help clear it. It has all organic royal jelly, ginkgo balbola, and other natural ingredients inside of it, which really support neurotransmission within the brain. So the royal jelly, aside from having tons of minerals and vitamins, also supports acetylcholine to help support a healthy brain. It has nootropics, an herb to enhance brain function by supporting the brain's ability to learn and retain information, and ginkgo bilboa, which is an adaptogenic herb that contains antioxidants that help boost blood flow to the brain, which nourishes your hungry brain cells. And as you'll learn in this episode of Dr. Amen, blood flow in the brain is so key to keeping it in balance and keeping it healthy. This is my go-to product for any support in the brain before I'm podcasting. If I'm needing extra support and really wanting to knock out something in our deep imaginings, I will use this alongside of it to help create new neural pathways with the supplementation while also doing the reprogramming work. It is fantastic. I like to have it on hand for those days that I wake up with not a lot of sleep, for when I'm traveling, and a coffee is not the ideal remedy, this is a complete game changer. So if you would like to try some of the Be Smart Brain Fuel or any other of the Beekeeper Naturals products, you can use code TBM at checkout for 15% off. All right, on to the episode.
1: Why don't I kick this off with the very first question we ask everybody? What is your cultural background and upbringing?
0: That's my cultural background. Lebanese.
1: Wow.
0: And and full-blooded. I even did one of those genetic tests. I grew up in Southern California. Uh Uh-huh. How about you?
1: Geez, you know, it's all the, the things, the Irish, the Scottish, the English. And I personally grew up right outside of Yosemite. So we're both California kids. I'll say.
0: Oh, Yosemite is one of the prettiest places on the planet.
1: Isn't it amazing? I didn't start to truly appreciate it until my late 20s. And then I, I ended up actually getting a place up there and really appreciate it now. Amazing. Well, and here's the hippie question we have to ask you if you know. I mean, you are from Southern California, so you might know this. But do you know your astrology, essentially?
0: I am a Cancer
1: Wonderful. And you don't happen to know your moon and rising, I presume?
0: I do not.
1: You're a science guy. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Okay, great. Well, let's get into the juicy stuff. The brain scans. So you guys have done over 200,000 brain scans. I mean, working with everyone from Justin Bieber to Miley Cyrus, Jay Shetty. And so if you can explain to us, the group, the community, what SPECT scan is, and what are some of the biggest takeaways you've learned from all the scans you've done?
0: So SPECT is a nuclear medicine study that looks at blood flow and activity, looks at how your brain works. And it basically shows three things. Areas of the brain that work well, areas of the brain that are underactive, and areas of the brain that are overactive. And we have learned So many things like mild traumatic brain injury ruins people's lives and nobody knows about it. Nobody knows about it because nobody looks, but undiagnosed concussions are a major cause of anxiety, depression, suicide, ADHD, learning problems, homelessness. And so we need to do a better job of protecting our brain's The other thing that I learned is all psychiatric illnesses are not single or simple disorders. They all have multiple types. And giving someone the diagnosis of depression is like giving them the diagnosis of chest pain. It's silly. And so going to your doctor and telling them you're depressed and getting a prescription for Lexapro is not good medicine.
1: And you see total health and wellness as four main pillars biological, psychological, social, and spiritual. Can you go into that a little bit deeper so we can round out your body of work before we get into the true specifics?
0: So the first week of medical school, our Dean came into the classroom and said, never think of your patients as their diagnosis. We're all made up of these four big circles. So, yes, we're going to teach you a lot of biology. And in my case, it's sort of the physical functioning of your brain. But everyone's got a psychology or how they think in their development, a social circle, which is who you hang out with and your current stresses think pandemic is big in that circle, and the spiritual circle, which is ultimately what motivates your patients. Why do they care? Why did they think they're on the planet. What's your deepest sense of meaning and purpose? And illness can actually happen in any of those circles. And wellness happens in all of them.
1: And then you've spoken about the five different primary brain types, 11 combination types in total. Can you talk about these a little bit?
0: One of the first things we learned is that everybody's different. And, you know, I adopted my two nieces, And one is just totally on time, neat and tidy, worries, holds grudges. And the other one is spontaneous and has a messy room. And you have to have her on Life360 so you know she's really where she said she was going (laughs) to (laughs) be. And, you know, one has a sleepy brain. That's the spontaneous type. One has a busy brain, the persistent type. And... It's important to know what type of brain you have, because then you can develop strategies to balance.
1: And then the other types are the balanced brain, sensitive brain, cautious brain. Can you talk on those a little bit?
0: Well, balanced is you generally don't need me. You're reasonably happy and your mood is good and you're flexible and cautious enough, but not too cautious. And so balance may be 30% of the population. The sensitive type are therapists, and people are deeply feeling, deeply empathic, uh, but can be prone to depression. And the cautious type live longer than everyone else, but they can be prone to anxiety. They're early for their appointments as opposed to the spontaneous type that's always running late.
1: And... These types, you know, and I know we'll get into combinations, but are you born with your specific type or do you take on another after, say, a brain injury, etc.? cetera, environmental? I mean, you know, sort of like astrology. I love systems, right? Is this something that you're born with and then you can maneuver into others based on those things, biological, psychological, social, and spiritual?
0: Well, it's always a combination of what happens to you in life and what your genetic tendencies are. So my dad tends to be persistent, my mom tends to be spontaneous, and I have a bit of both.
1: And then I think the question that people will probably be asking themselves, you talk about one of the greatest ways we can support our brains, or I guess this is just like mainstream narrative, is through meditation. And some people have very busy minds. Like we get this in our work a lot because we work primarily in hypnosis. And a lot of people will have trouble dropping in. You know, they'll say, I can't go under. Nothing's coming up to visualize. I'm not accessing old memories. What are some tips you have for that when that's happening
0: with people? Well, for some people, it's really about trust. And they have worked so hard to protect themselves from things that frighten them. So sometimes it's just building a relationship that can be helpful And sometimes we just need to use another technique that could be helpful, like havening or EMDR that I like. Some people are open and some people are closed. And that's actually a basic tenet of personality is where is your level of openness? And ultimately, it's probably a brain function that if your frontal lobes work well enough that you have empathy And you're psychologically minded. But if you had a fall and you hurt, maybe the right front side of your brain, you just sort of don't get it.
1: And how much do you think that trauma can play into this as well? Like I've noticed when I used to work with people directly that over time, you know, a lot would start to come up. But I would notice, like you were saying, the open or closeness, I would see it as like protective it was really hard for them to access that until, as you said, like the trust was built and the safety was felt, and then things would start to come forward.
0: I think childhood trauma has a lot to play with it. It's more than that. It's also ancestral trauma. I have a new book out called Your Brain Is Always Listening. And the first part of it, I talk about the dragons from the past.
1: Which we're about to get into. I'm very excited. For that.
0: <laughs> Breathing fire on your emotional brain. And the ancestral dragon, to me, is actually the most interesting because it's like some of my issues may actually not be mine that I might have gotten them from the time my grandfather's brother was killed in a train accident when my grandfather was 19. And that trauma got written into his genetic code so that when he had my dad and then my dad had me, There could be a baseline of anxiety that I had no clue about until I explored it with my dad.
1: That's so interesting because I've always heard the model of like passing it down genetically through the grandmother, let's say, because it's two generations back. If she's developing your mom's ovaries inside of her and, you know, it's that DNA the cursors that are on or off. But I wasn't aware of, say, like in your case, your father. So is that how through your research, it's sort of being passed down as well, like the male line as well is very possible?
0: Well, I think, yes. And when I say it gets written in your genetic code, there's this whole new branch of genetics called epigenetics where trauma turns on or off certain genes, making illness more or less likely to happen in the next generation.
1: Wow. Yeah. See, I was only familiar with it. I didn't realize, of course, that it could be turned on, you know, on both sides. So that's really so fascinating. And I'm excited to dig into the book on this one because the dragons piece is so interesting to me, you know, like rewriting the stories from the dragons. Do you want to get into the dragons a little bit more?
0: Well, I love the dragons. And, you know, when I wrote, your brain is always listening like, it's always listening to the past. And for some people, they actually see the past in front of them. So it's sort of like they're always carried it with them. And I went, well, what are the common dragons that my patients deal with? The most common of all of them is the anxious dragon. And the pandemics only made it worse. There's also my dragon, which is the abandoned, invisible, or insignificant dragon. i one of seven and I'm in the middle I have an older brother in a Lebanese family, which means you're sort of irrelevant.
1: And a cancer. So sensitive.
0: <laughs> and I'm sensitive. So I didn't really like it. I ended up loving it because it means I don't have to go in the grocery business. So it turned out really good. But, you know, I grew up with that. There's the inferior flawed dragon, which I think is driving the epidemic of teenage suicide. The wounded dragon. That's the childhood trauma dragon. The responsible dragon, where you feel the need to take care of other people. The grief and loss dragon, so common during the pandemic. But I mean, common before then. The death dragon, fear of death dragon, which really got exploded. They're just populating the earth right now. I talked about grief, the hopeless and helpless dragon. The one my wife has, the judgmental dragon. (laughs) And childhood trauma will trigger that one. And so it's knowing your dragon. People can go to knowyourdragons.com and then just come up with strategies to calm them down. One of the best compliments I ever got, it just happened a couple of days ago. My daughter just went off to college and we had sort of the last supper for her. And my kids looked at me and they said, you know, you're the most consistently happy person we know. Very few things rattle you. And it's because of a lot of work. And I love that.
1: And what has been the most significant tool, like you said, finding ways to calm them? What has been the most profound tools for you, even some that you teach and use that have contributed to you being the happiest person that
0: they know? Well, I think it's being intentional. 1986, I wrote a program called The Sabotage Factor about all the ways my patients mess themselves up from getting what they want. And there's an exercise in there called The One Page Miracle. One piece of paper, write down what you want. Relationships, work, money physical, emotional, spiritual health. What do you want? And then you ask yourself every day, does it fit? Does my behavior fit the goals I have for my life? And if you can know what you want in a balanced way, so whenever I ask people, what do you want? They talk about money or they talk about work or they talk about a promotion. And I'm like, well, none of those things make you happy. It's being balanced that creates happiness. You're focused on what you want in your relationships. You're doing meaningful work. Like when my daughter brings over a guy and I go, hey, what do you want to do with your life? And they talk about money. I'm just like, no, no, you have to dismiss him because <laughs> you won't be happy. It's like, I mean, yes, I want them to make money and be able to help support a family. But if that's the point, there's no happiness in that.
1: And when you talked about you were going through the dragons and a few of these that have really exasperated since the pandemic, especially things like anxiety and the hopelessness and helpless, what have you seen to be the most helpful during this time for your patients that are being triggered by many of these things?
0: You know, when the pandemic happened for me, it was March 10th of 2020, I was on a book tour for the end of mental illness. And everything all of a sudden got shut down. And I remember that night I wrote down mental hygiene is just as important as washing your hands, that we need to disinfect our thoughts. Mental discipline is so important. And people like they might go see a therapist once and go, well, this doesn't work for me and then dismiss it. And I'm like, that's insane (laughs) if you're overweight on Monday and you have a salad, you cannot expect to be trim by Friday. It takes discipline, it takes work, it takes consistent effort over time by putting in the right habits.
1: And we're gonna get into Bright Minds model in just a sec, which may even play into this, but kind of getting back to the balanced brain, spontaneous, persistent, sensitive, and cautious, Exactly what you're talking about, mental hygiene. What is the remedy for these different, not, you don't have to go super deep into it, but what tends to be the overarching, might even be helpful, remedies for these different brain types?
0: Well, for balance, you just want to do all the good things. And the question is, is this good for my brain or bad for it? And you just have to know the list.
1: The list is probably, I'm imagining, based on your work, food and thought exercise.
0: Yeah. And most thoughtful seven-year-olds would actually get most of the list right. I went to my daughter's second grade class, wrote down 20 things. And I'm like, you tell me good for your brain or bad for it. They got everything right except orange juice, (laughs)
1: which they put
0: in the good category. But it's not good. It's like whenever you unwrap sugar from its fiber source, it turns toxic in the body. So um, for the spontaneous type, you need novelty and exercise. It's sort of a deficiency of dopamine and doing things that increase it. And you're not going to do well as a CPA. You're just not. You need to be in a job that has newness and not so much numbers. The persistent type, you might be a good CPA. You like routine, you like consistency. If you're gonna pick a religion, you become Catholic. I've seen that over and over again with the scans. Now you may be one of the other types and be Catholic, but you tend to pick something that's predictable. The sensitive type, you need connection and purpose. And without connection, you get deeply unhappy. And the world might come at you too quickly and so you need space and time by yourself and the cautious type it helps you live longer because you see the potential trouble in the future but too much will wear you out and make you really unhappy so meditation hypnosis deep relaxation exercises very helpful
1: just reminding everybody listening, you know, there are combinations of these 11 total combination types. But what I love about this, again, is systems. Systems for me, and who knows which one of these I must be, (laughs) because I love systems. It gives you a place to draw your authenticity. Like a starting point, and then to start to peel away layers of programming or trauma, or as you see, like there are so many components that play into balance and happiness. And that's what I think is really exciting for anybody who does, you know, really get into your work is somebody sitting there, as you said, you you may not be good as a CPA. And I would see this in my practice a lot with clients is that, you know, I would have somebody come who culturally had been programmed for years that they have to be a lawyer or a doctor to be loved, you know, and then they started to realize, wow, I'm really an artist or I'm spiritual, you know, that's what drives me. And what I love about this Is knowing which type you are and which combination you are gives you a basis to go, hmm, what have I picked up from societal, from family, from media that may not be me whatsoever to work my way into homeostasis and happiness?
0: Well, finding the right fit is so important. So many people don't fit with where they are, and that creates stress, whether It's with a partner or a job or wherever they are in life. If they don't fit, the stress really does follow them.
1: And how do you see that playing out in scans? Like what is the biggest, outside of, you know, any type of injury, what's the biggest contributor to brain, you know, like poor hygiene?
0: Well, um, there's a whole section in the book on the bad habit dragons and the worst of all of them is the oblivious bad habit dragon where you're just never thinking about your brain you don't read food labels you don't really think about the quality of the air you breathe or the water you drink and unfortunately that one's way too common
1: So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey, or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin, we have a la carte workshops in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest unblocked inner child and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. But the real gem is the pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and Exclusive workshops not available anywhere else, such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. You can use our special code, EXPANDED, all caps, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D, to receive $20 off your first a la carte workshop purchase, or $20 off your first month of the pathway. Again, that's all caps, EXPANDED, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D. Okay, now back to the episode. Let's get into ants, the automatic negative thoughts. I mean, we've been touching on this a little bit, but what have you found to be the most effective way of dealing with them?
0: So we're all infested. The pandemic made it worse. Watching the news will make it worse. Scrolling on social media will make it worse. But thoughts come from all sorts of places. They are written in our genetic code, as we were talking about. They come from the voices of your mother, you're too big for your britches. They come from the voices of your siblings, I'm better than you. They come from your friends, from your enemies, your teachers, your coaches, the news you listen to or the music you hear. And thoughts are random, they're automatic, and they lie all the time. And just because you have a thought has nothing to do with whether or not it's true, whether or not it's helpful. And so about 30 years ago, I coined the term ants, automatic negative thoughts, because I saw my patients were infested. It's clearly one of the things that contributes to my happiness. I don't believe every stupid thing I think. And I think a lot of stupid things. But when I tell my patients, it's not the thoughts you have that make you suffer. It's the thoughts you attach to that make you suffer. And so just because you have a negative thought, it has no effect until you believe it. And so the most effective thing I do is whenever someone feels sad or mad or nervous or out of control, I have them write down what they're thinking. And then I take them through this process I got from my friend Byron Katie on... Well, is it true? Is it absolutely true? How do you feel when you believe it? How would you feel if you didn't have it? And let's just flip it to the opposite. It's so powerful, but you have to do it a hundred times. It's work. But when you do it over time and you stop believing the random noise in your head, you just, you feel happier.
1: What, how do you feel about the loops? You know, like I call them subconscious loops. How do you feel about those ones that can be genetically passed down? They could be imprinted, you know, in childhood or through trauma, injury, through anything, you know, as you persist in life. Those ones that are truly just nonstop looping automatic. Is this the same way you address them too Is is in the conscious space? Like, we love Katie. We had her on the podcast. She's amazing. Has that been the tool that's been the most effective for those automatic negative thoughts?
0: It's clearly one of the tools that I like. I also like another fun tool called Give Your Mind a Name. It's based on a concept called psychological distancing. And I was interviewing Stephen Hayes, who uh, developed the ACT form of psychotherapy, and When I heard him talk about it, I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. And it's another way not to believe every stupid thing you think, if you can give it a name, the noise in your head. And I'm like, so what would I name my mind? And it came to me almost instantly, Hermy, because Hermy was my pet raccoon when I was 16. And I loved her, like I love my mind, but she was a troublemaker. She TP'd my mother's bathroom, that was a bad day. One day, Hermie ate all the fish out of my sister's aquarium, another bad day. And that's my mind, it's just a troublemaker. But you know, since I named her, I can choose to listen to her, or not, I can metaphorically choose to put her in her cage, Or what I often do when my mind's giving me trouble, I'll imagine Hermie and I'll put her on her back because I used to do that and tickle her and play with her. And I'm like, come on, we don't need to attach to this. This is not helpful. And periodically I just sort of check in with her. And, you know, most of the time she's fine. But when she's not, I get to at least think about, is it me or is it just the noise?
1: So the risk factors that can harm your brain and keep it from being healthy, you know, it's the blood flow, retirement, aging, inflammation, genetics, head trauma, toxins, mind storms, immunity, infections, and the neurohormones, diabetes, sleep disturbances. Can you just give us an overview of those?
0: So there are four circles we talked about. So if we go to the biological circle, you want to keep the physical organ of your brain healthy because your brain creates your mind. You have to prevent or treat the things that hurt it, the things that steal it, the things that damage it. And I came up with my team with this mnemonic, Bright Minds, to know what do I need to avoid and what do I need to do. And so you listed them. For example, B is for blood flow. Low blood flow is the number one brain imaging predictor of Alzheimer's disease. What lowers blood flow to the brain? Smoking, caffeine, high blood pressure, any form of heart disease, being sedentary, alcohol, marijuana. So let's avoid those things. And let's engage in behaviors that increase blood flow. Exercise, ginkgo, foods like beets, oregano, cayenne pepper. And for each of those 11 risk factors, it's like, okay, so what do I avoid and what do I do if I want to have a good brain and I want to have a good life? So I think it's sort of cool. It's just sort of laid out in sort of an easy to understand and follow process.
1: And what would you say are the most practical tips that anybody can access of how to best support your brain?
0: Um, You know, I have little tiny habits. Like I start every day with today is going to be a great day. That way my mind finds why it's going to be a great day. I go to bed every night and go what went well today. So I put myself to sleep with prayer and what went well. It's so helpful. I start at the beginning of the day and usually I'm asleep by noon. And as I walk through the day is like, is this good for my brain or bad for it? I have Pretty clear routine. I do two huddles in the morning with my team. They're about 40 minutes. So I'm always walking while I do the huddles. I'll get 6,000 steps. I generally do intermittent fasting. So the last time I eat is around seven. I won't eat again until 11 or 12 the next day. That helps to clean up some of the trash that builds up in your brain. And I always plan on being in bed sleeping eight or nine hours. And I'm busy, but I want to be busy for a long time, so I'm not going to be doing things in the short run to hurt me. Another thing I teach my patients, I want you to feel better now and later versus now, but not later.
1: What do you think is the biggest, not what do you think, what do you know, based on research at this point, is the biggest contributor to Alzheimer's and dementia?
0: All 11 of those risk factors. Really? Absolutely. You know, this is an Alzheimer's prevention program, Bright Minds. It's also a depression prevention program because they're both brain things. And, you know, get your brain right and your mind will follow. And I think it's people just don't love their brains, perhaps, like they could.
1: And what is the current research, because I'm actually not hip on it whatsoever, of how much genetics play into both?
0: Not as much as people think. Our behavior is more important. Alzheimer's is a lifestyle illness. And if you're depressed, you're more likely to get Alzheimer's. If you're overweight, you're more likely to get Alzheimer's. If you have sleep apnea or head trauma or engaged in toxic behavior, you're more likely to get Alzheimer's. We need to stop thinking there's going to be a pill that fixes this because there's not.
1: I'm extremely fascinated with mind over matter. So placebo, if you will, another example would be the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Through your research and everything you know on the brain, how much can mind over matter literally just like hijacking your brain through repetition, taking over, getting rid of any programming you know about disease or illness. And then like, let's say the person's on a thought process constantly that nothing can touch me, nothing can hurt me. I'm perfect health. I'm pure love. I'm spiritual. So I'm not even material. How much do you think just that alone can completely shift and heal the brain and have incredible, you know, hygiene?
0: Um, I think it matters. I don't think it's everything. Placebo is fascinating that if a woman believes she's pregnant, even though she's not, her body will take on the shape of a pregnant woman. She'll stop menstruating. She may even lactate from her breasts and get a big belly. That's so fascinating that placebo can have that kind of impact. And when we talked about the one-page miracle, it's really about intention. If you tell your brain what you want, it'll help you get it. But at the same time, if you have Lyme disease or mercury poisoning, those things matter too. And I think we're too quick to make things psychological that are biological.
1: And with that same frame of reference, Or how big of a part do you think that placebo could help play a role in healing, say something like Lyme or any kind of illness that's coming up to help really support that healing process?
0: Well, I definitely think it matters. I think it's part of the equation where you direct your energy in your mind. I just think you have to be careful with it and make sure it's part of the four circles.
1: Like don't eat Doritos while thinking that, you know, everything's perfect. I totally, (laughs) I'm tracking you here. And then this is one that especially in, you know, like the work we focus on, something that we really wanted to know is, have you found a significant difference in brain scans between physical trauma and emotional trauma? So say head injury versus unhealed childhood traumas, what's presenting in the scans themselves and what part of the brain do they impact?
0: Yeah, big. That's probably my most widely read set of papers. Physical trauma shows up as decreases in blood flow, cause scar tissue, tear blood vessels, break neurons. Emotional trauma shows up as increased activity where you just can't stop watching. And, you know, one, you want to calm down the emotional circuits. The other, you want to repair the brain. and. And it published a set of papers on over 20,000 people showing we could separate emotional from physical trauma with high levels of accuracy.
1: Wow. And then touch on social and spiritual aspects of overall health. Like, have you seen the two make a really significant impact on the brain, especially spiritual?
0: Well, social, we all know if we're in a bad relationship, we feel bad. We feel stress. And social is also what's happening in the world around you. It's historic trauma. I've seen spirit so many interesting spiritual things. I did a study on prayer. I did another study on meditation. I did another study on Qigong. And having a deep sense of meaning and purpose just helps you live longer. I remember I got to scan Byron Katie, who I mentioned earlier. And she had the brain of a murderer. Her brain was really awful,
1: Wow! yet
0: she's the most peaceful person I know.
1: Truly, like on another planet of happiness. It's so magical.
0: Yeah. And it's because she's sort of figured it out spiritually that she has a deep sense of meaning and purpose and doesn't believe every stupid thing she thinks. So I think being connected spiritually helps your brain be healthier.
1: And then this is a really fun one, you know, like Luke's a friend of mine, and I listened to your podcast together, Luke's story. You've definitely scanned some brains, you know, looking at drugs or cannabis, ayahuasca. There's so much research now that I see becoming very popular using psychedelic drug-assisted therapies. What are your thoughts on that with brain health, for one, and then also combating those negative neural loops?
0: You know, I haven't sort of come over to thinking that's wildly great yet. Because all the my patients that do it, they get some relief and get some insight. They don't get fixed. It's like they keep going back. Now, that could be because I'm only seeing the people that don't get fixed. Right. But I think it can be helpful. I think it can be a tool. I also think we have to be careful with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you, you know, you mentioned earlier that you walk around and you say, you know, is this good for my brain? Or you have a philosophy of eating healthy for the brain. You say, do I love what I eat and does it love me back? What have been some of the biggest brain foods, the most powerful? Or even, you know, there's so many fad diets. What are the things to consume to help your brain, which obviously is helping your overall health?
0: So water, because... Your brain is loaded with water. Dehydration makes you confused. Um, healthy protein, lots of healthy fat. Fat is not bad for your brain. The low-fat diet craze cause more mental health problems. Smart carbs. So we, you know, like most vegetables are loaded with carbs. So just make them smart, colorful, high in fiber, low glycemic, which means they don't raise your blood sugar. And then use spices like medicine, saffron, cinnamon, turmeric, cayenne pepper, all of those can be amazing for brain function.
1: So basically ancient diets.
0: I'm not sure I'm going after whale blubber, but um, (laughs) whole healthy food that you have to chew.
1: Right, right. And then with that said, I, one thing we haven't even really touched on too much, we've talked about blood sugar and all that stuff. But what about sugar in general? I mean, we talked obviously too about the orange juice, but sugars in everything. I mean, even I, I don't touch sugar just because I can't do to how it affects me. And I'm talking like I don't even really touch anything high glycemic at all. Even my friends, you know, that are very, very healthy. It's maple syrup. I mean, just sugars everywhere.
0: It is. And it's not good for you. It's pro-inflammatory. It has like no nutrients. It's addictive. It's one of the reasons we're fat and unhappy as a society.
1: In brain scans, what it, what do you see with that? The consumption of sugar?
0: Um, the inflammation will prematurely age your brain over time. So I've not done a, here, have a cupcake. Let me scan your brain. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. It's the long game. Right. And not to be redundant here, (laughs) it's just a big fascination of mine. So it's really a selfish personal question. If you combine, say, placebo with spiritual, would you see a far deeper impact on brain health and healing illness or just like any type of brain obstacle if you were to combine the two? And when I say placebo again, like I'm invincible, nothing can hurt me. And then having like that deep sense of purpose and connection.
0: I think so. I think it would have an additive effect. Again, the Doritos aren't going to be helpful, (laughs) but...
1: Thank you so much for your time and wishing you a lot of luck with this book launch.
0: Thank you so much. What a joy to meet you and chat with you about these things.
1: You as well, and have a great day. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, we did. And in case you're not totally ready to join the pathway yet, I wanted to share a few of our free offerings that I'll often suggest to people as a little bit of a blueprint to get them started on their manifestation journey. The first place I like to direct people completely for free is the motivation. You can see it linked below or on our homepage as our testimony library. And it's categorized by different subjects, whether you're calling in career, money, love, wellness, and much more. When you're reading about a member's experience of what they manifested, you're actually seeing to believe and showing your subconscious that that very thing is possible for you. The second place I like to direct people is to the free clarity exercise, which is also linked below. In it, you get to try our own unique hypnosis process, learn about the science and some journaling prompts. And the best part about this, you'll get a tiny taste of what it's like to go into your hypnotic state, bring your subconscious forward, and create new neural pathways while receiving clarity. And the third thing, if you haven't listened to it on this podcast yet, please go back to the episode titled Manifestation 101, where you'll learn the basics of neural manifestation to truly understand this process. So go ahead and check out those free resources, the motivation, the free clarity exercise, and the episode Manifestation 101, all linked below. And in an effort to make sure to have representation in this process series, go ahead and submit any process testimonials you have especially to our LGBTQ plus community, our BIPOC, as well as the wise, which is anyone in the community who is 45 and over. All right, we'll be back next week.